So in Mark chapter two, now don't forget, if you missed last week in Mark, we, we did the introduction and Mark is a, is a book of action. He jumps right in, a huge focus on the works of Jesus, the acts of Jesus, uh, uh, the servanthood, the servitude of Jesus. And we pick right back up from chapter one, right into chapter two, into the work, work, the work, the work, the work. All right. So chapter two, verse one says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, I mean, from NLT, says the news spread quickly, quickly that he was back home. Verse two, soon the house where he was stay, uh, staying was so packed, it says, with visitors that there was no more room even outside the door while he was preaching God's word to them. So it says, now here's Jesus back home, right? Word spreads quickly. And that there were so many visitors outside of his house that it was nowhere to sit on standing room only. You couldn't even, you had to even be outside. There was hardly any room out there while he was preaching God's word to them. Now, again, understand what he was doing while it was really packed. He was preaching the gospel that we see plenty of instances where Jesus is healing people or providing something and people come. But here we see Jesus doing what? Preaching the gospel and that there were plenty of people that as he was preaching the gospel, as he was preaching the word, what? That people were gathered uh, uh, to hear that. Uh, then it says four men uh, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat uh, came to him. They couldn't bring him to Jesus, it says, because of the crowd. And so they dug a hole in the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. Now, don't forget, we did a teaching on this not too long ago. We did a teaching on this. I think it was called The Ones That Brought Him. And so if you if it, we're not going to dive deep into this story tonight, but go back on the Buzzsprout page, go back on Spotify or wherever you get the, all the sermons uh, backlog, go back and search the sermon, The Ones Who Brought Him, because that's where we talked about this story and we go kind of deep. Um, into it. But anyway, it says that he, they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. And then it says, so, so Jesus says, seeing their faith, okay? Not the faith of the man, but Jesus noticing the faith of the people who brought the man. They didn't say that they was family. Didn't even say it was close friends, that there were men who were care. You would assume they were close friends, but who knows? The point is there were people who knew he was paralyzed and not everybody wanted to take him, but there were four who decided we're going to do this. And the crazy thing about it is, and this is the point that we were, that we talked about. One of the points we talked about in the sermon uh, and in the teaching, the ones that brought them, that brought him, is that that Jesus noticed not the man's faith. Jesus noticed the faith of the people who brought him. And we talked about the fact that we need to be careful to make sure that, listen, are the people around me, does God notice their faith? Watch this. And am I one who also get notices, notice so that the people around me also benefit from the favor of God, what, all my life? And Jesus, what, and God, what, noticing me? And so Jesus, seeing, seeing their faith, said to the paralyzed man, he says, my child, your sins are forgiven. And this threw everybody in the uproar because he said, your sins are forgiven. It wasn't that he said anything else or that he healed this man. As a matter of fact, all this, all this scripture says is that he told the man, your sins are forgiven. It doesn't even say that at this point, the man was healed. It says that Jesus looked at him and said, what? Your sins are forgiven. So here we go. Verse six, we talked about favor. And we talked about how your favor sometimes will make people envious. Here's the envy. We see it right here in verse six. It says, but some teachers of the religious law uh, who were sitting there thought to themselves. They didn't say anything. This is important to understand. They didn't say anything, but they thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Verse number eight, man, this is one of the coldest scriptures I've ever read in my life. Said Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? 
They didn't say anything. They didn't verbalize anything. They were questioning Jesus. Watch this in their hearts. And so many times we say, well, Jesus know my heart. Well, Jesus, that's, yeah, that's not always a good thing. And so we need to make sure that these hearts are clean, that our hearts are pure, because even if we don't verbalize something, even if we don't act out on it, that Jesus, what, the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, can pierce between bone and marrow, can get right into the thoughts and intents in the heart of man. And here we see Jesus doing that right here. That's right, Sierra. Jesus knows. I see you, Tracy. Watch this. That says that Jesus, that, that they were saying within themselves, whether it was privately or whether it was inside and they didn't vocalize it because there are some interpretations that said that they spoke to one another about this, but not out loud. Like they said to, to within themselves. And some say that they just thought it within themselves. Um, but however, Jesus it says, knew immediately what they were thinking and they didn't have to speak it. They didn't have to listen. And this brings, watch this. This should bring us an extra layer of, of comfort knowing that knowing that the God and, and Jesus, our Savior, who protects us, remember we talked about his favor being a shield around us as protection, that the same God who protects us doesn't need your enemies to vocalize anything to know exactly what they're thinking when it comes to you. That listen, that whether, and so when I, when I was growing up, my old church would say, we come against misdirected prayers. And it always seemed weird to me because why would God listen to somebody praying for evil to come on me or for evil to come on Mike? Or, or Gina or Micah, like, why would he listen to that? And, and we say that they didn't even say anything, but says Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. And so when Tyrell walks over, is going throughout his day and L'Oreal's going throughout her day and Tanya's going throughout their day and Sister Gwen's going throughout her day, watch this, that, 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 that you don't have to worry about what someone else is going to say about you or what someone's going to try to do to you or any of that stuff that it says Jesus before they even said anything. And so the same, the same Jesus here who knew their heart and called them out on it is the same Jesus that saved us, and is the same Jesus who we are now, uh, because of his sacrifice, we're righteous before the Father, and it's the same favor, right? The same favor that encompasses us and protects us is the same favor that knew the hearts of these people. Because the Bible, remember, we talked about this last, we talked about this Sunday, that, 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 that Jesus grew, it said grew in stature and in wisdom and in favor with God and man. And here he is operating in what? In, in favor. And so Jesus, immediately knowing what they were thinking, he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Verse nine, he says, is it easier for me to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or is it easier for me to uh, say, stand up and pick up your mat and walk? So I'll prove to you that the son of man, he's talking about himself, has the authority on earth to forgive sins. So Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up. Now the man, now the man gets up. Yeah, that's right. We're in Mark two, Mark chapter two, see so, so now the man gets up. Remember, Jesus says to him, your sins are forgiven. He discerned what the people are saying about him because he says that. Then he says, well, what's easier for me to forgive his sins or for me to have this paralyzed man stand up and walk? So then he says, I'm going to show you. I have the power to do to forgive sins. I'm going to do, do the harder thing. I'm going to tell this man who's been paralyzed forever and nobody can help him. I'm going to have him stand up just by telling him to stand up and walk. So he does that. And the man gets up, grabs the mat, walk out. Stunned onlookers, they were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Verse 13, then Jesus went out to the lakeshore, again, taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector booth, because that's what he was, a tax collector. That's who Levi was. Follow me and me by disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Verse 15, later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples, this is important, to his home as dinner guests. You see how action-packed the book of Mark is right from the start? 
Well, when we read Luke, it's not this action packed right from the start. When we read Matthew, it's like it, it takes, you know, he sets the beginning and he sets the background. Mark jumps right in. So anyway, he says, but verse 16, but when the teachers of religious law, who were the Pharisees, we talked about this, people coming against the favor, says what? Said that the Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners. They asked the disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Again, Jesus heard this. So we see in two scriptures in this chapter where Jesus, where Jesus discerned their thoughts. Now understand this. When they said, why does he eat with such scum? They didn't say this to Jesus, but Jesus still heard it. It said, what? He, they asked the disciples this, right? So that they're over here having a whole nother conversation. Again, the same God that heard this, the same Jesus, there is the same Jesus, the same God whom we have favor with. And who and, and, and what do we read in the scriptures? That is favor what? And it encloses us. It's surrounded that we are surrounded by favor. And the favor that surrounds us is acts as a protector and a shield. And so he heard this. And then he says, what? He says, what? Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous. Watch this. He didn't say I, I didn't come to, to I didn't come to call those who are righteous. These are the ones who think they are righteous because without him, none are righteous. So he says, I didn't come for those who think they're righteous, but I come to those who uh, know that they are sinners. And that's the thing. It's like understanding who we are. It's really easy for me to sit here and judge Natalie and easy for me to sit here and judge Mike and Tanya and Manny. But but it's like, you know, if I'm in touch with the fact that without Jesus and the reason he came is because I'm messed up and the reason he came is because I am a sinner, then it's easier for me to have more compassion. Remember, we talked about how Jesus looked and looked on them with compassion, that it is easier than for me to look on others with compassion, even though they may irritate me, even though they may get on my nerves. I don't understand the bad decisions you're making. It's like, well, you know what? The the simple fact is that Jesus came for you too. Jesus came what? For them too. He said, healthy people don't need a doctor. It's sick people that need a doctor. I have not come to call those who think they are righteous, but I've come to call those who know know that they are sinners. Verse 18. uh, Once when John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting, some people came to Jesus why don't your disciples fast like John's disciples and the Pharisees do? There's some more questions. Jesus replied, do wedding guests uh, uh, fast while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. They can't fast while the groom is with them. But someday the groom will be taken away. This is Jesus talking about when he's not here anymore. Someday the groom will be taken away from them and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with new clothes? This is talking about the old stuff, the old, uh, old teaching, the old law and the new stuff. In the New Testament, new covenant, uh, what we're under now uh, with, with the new cloth for the new patch would shrink and whip away the, uh, rip away the old cloth, leaving even a bigger tear than before. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins for the wine would burst in uh, the wineskins and the wine and the skins would both be lost. New wine calls for new wineskins. This is Jesus foretelling. Number one, I'm not going to be here always. Now's the time to celebrate. And then he says what? And then he says that, well, the reason they're not doing it is because we're under a whole new different thing. We're under a whole new covenant, okay? And maybe we'll talk about that one day. Maybe we'll do an in-depth kind of Bible study this summer on all that. Verse 23, one Sabbath day. Now, again, more action, more action. And, and this is Jesus establishing a whole new thing. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was walking through some grain fields, his disciples began to break off heads of grain to eat. Now, this was against, this was against the law to do this. But the Pharisees said to Jesus, look, why are they breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath? This is law. This is law. This is what it says. The ancient writings. This is what we got to do. 
And this is and this is what they're trying to get Jesus and his disciples on. Jesus says in 25, he says, haven't you uh, ever read in, in the scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went to the house of God during the days when Abathur uh, was high priest and broke the law by eating sacred loaves of bread that only the priests are allowed to eat. He also gave some to his companions. Then Jesus says, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people, not to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. I am going to say that again for all the law people. He says, the Sabbath was made to meet. This is Jesus. This is not Paul. Because some people say, well, Paul was, but Jesus was. No, no, no. This is Jesus saying this. The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people. What? The rest. The Don't work. The, worship God. Like, don't forget, because there's a whole lineage of people who were seen righteous in God's eyes by faith who never had the law. Okay. If you, if you, if you need more on that, go back in, in, in the pot, in the, in the sermons and go back to when we did Galatians, there were people way before any law was given that was seen righteous before God, uh, uh, without the law given because it was by faith in their belief. Number one, Abraham. Don't forget Noah. Okay. All right. So he says, he says the Sabbath, um, but, the, but, but even the Sabbath day goes back even to the beginning, right? Where it says, and then he rested on, on the seventh day, uh, which is what Sabbath means. But he said the Sabbath was made to what? To meet the needs of people. It's meant to meet the, meet the, and so if someone's hungry on the Sabbath, it's not against to break the grain to eat because the Sabbath is there to meet the needs of people. It is not for people to try to meet requirements of the Sabbath. Like the Sabbath is here to serve you and your needs, not for you to be subjected under it to, oh, I can't do this. I can't do that. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Like, no, that's not, that wasn't never the intention. And then Jesus says what? Verse 28, he hurts him with this one. He says, so the son of man is Lord even over the Sabbath. Uh-huh. We'll do a study on grace and the law and Old Testament, New Testament, New Covenant, and all this stuff if y'all want to. Watch this. Uh, chapter three. It says, so now Jesus on the move again. This We talked about this in, in the introduction. This is the Jesus on the move book. So Jesus went into the synagogue. Again, I see you see here. And notice the man with the deformed hand. We talked about this one too. Since it was the Sabbath, here we are talking about the Sabbath again. They're going to try to get him. Since it was the Sabbath, Jesus's enemies watched him closely. All right. So it's the Sabbath. They're watching him. What is he going to do? And what is he going to do? There's a man here with the deformed hand. My question is, how come they never did anything about the person who needed something? Isn't it funny how people who always got something to say, Natalie, never do anything about anything? They always da da da. Well, what are you doing? Well, you know, Crystal out here trying to make an impact. Crystal out here trying to change life. Mike out here feeding homeless people. Tracy out here trying to do something. Tanya, Gloria, they are everybody out here doing something. You got all this stuff to say about what Christians are supposed to be doing. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, 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 yeah. But what are you? What are you actually doing? That's why I see here the Gotcha Ministry. Oh, churches are filled with the Gotcha Ministry. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They love the Gotcha Ministry. Here we go. So, so now, so the Gotcha Ministry is sitting here watching Jesus. Uh, uh, because if, because well, here we go. If he healed the man's hand, they, it says, the scripture says they plan to accuse him of working on the Sabbath. Meanwhile, watch this. Meanwhile, none of them on the Sabbath or off Sabbath did anything for this person. So you're watching Jesus to see if he's going to heal on the Sabbath, try to get Jesus, but off Sabbath, none of y'all ever did anything for this person. 
So here's Jesus. You want to try to get him to see if he's going to be working on the Sabbath according to the law, and y'all ain't doing nothing anyway to help anybody. Mm -hmm. That's the gotcha ministry. All right. So verse three, Jesus, watch this. This is parenthetical. This is me saying it. Jesus, unbothered by the intentions, because now watch this. Don't forget, last chapter, we read that Jesus discerned what they thought, right? And said, why do you think this among yourselves? So don't think that Jesus didn't know what they were there trying to do. Because we just saw Jesus, what? Discerning their thoughts. And then they were talking to the disciples. Jesus also heard what was going on over there. Jesus knew that they were sitting there trying to figure out what he was going to do. So what did he do? Verse three says, Jesus said to the man with the deformed hand, come stand in front of everyone. He said, you know what? Come here. Come, you, you, come up here. He knew what they were doing. Verse four, then he turned to the critics. See, this is why we know he knew what they were thinking, because how would we know that they were even critics? How would Jesus even know if he didn't know what they were thinking? All right. Book of action. So he says to the man with the form hand, come stand in front of everyone. Then he turns to the critics, the ones who are trying to uh, catch him, the gotcha ministry. He turns to them and says, and, and, and watch this. And he even knows what they're trying to do. He comes back at them with the law. Does the law permit good deeds done on the Sabbath or is it a, a day for doing evil? Is this a day to save a life or to destroy it? And none of them could answer. Isn't it funny how when people are trying to question your faith and try to say, well, what you think? Will you be the that, that? But the minute you start asking them questions, they ain't got nothing to say. They got all this stuff to say about Jesus, all this stuff they want to talk about. And then the minute Jesus turned to them to ask them a question, ain't nobody got nothing to say. Okay. All right. Verse five. I got you, Tracy. I got you, Natalie. <laughs> I got you, L'Oreal. They always want to question you, but the minute you, listen, listen, there were times when Jesus didn't even answer questions, where Jesus just responded with something that had nothing to do with what they asked him. Sometimes we don't even have to respond to everything. But here, Jesus said, Jesus doesn't, he's like, I know what you're thinking. I'm going to ask y'all a question. And then you just answer me. Let me know what you guys think. And nobody had nothing to say. He looked around at them angrily. Watch this. And watch this. Jesus was angry, Laurie. Watch this. He was angry. But what is it? He was deep. He was angrily. He looked at him angrily and said he was deeply saddened. Why? By their hard hearts. That y'all just that you just don't get it. That it was the it was the fact that their hearts were hard, and he knew that they were not going to change, and that deeply saddened Jesus. He said. Then he said to the man, "Hold out your hand." So he said. So they wouldn't answer. Nobody said nothing. So he says, "You know what?" Hold out your hand. And so he goes ahead and does it anyway. So the man had out his hand and he was restored. We did a, we did a teaching on this, is this on this as well. You have to go back and try to find it. At once the Pharisees went away and met with their supporters of Herod, uh, uh the support of Herod to plot to how to kill Jesus. Now y'all got something to talk about. Jesus, Jesus opened the floor. He opened the floor, asked him a question. I see you, Manny. Nobody wanted to say anything. So then Jesus goes ahead and heals him. Then they what? They leave. They meet with other people who got the same mindset they have, that negative mindset, that hater mindset. We got to get rid of him. We talked about it with the favor. Not everybody's going to like the favor in your life. They get with those same people, and then they do what? Plot on how to kill him. How come you didn't say anything when he opened the floor? All right, verse 7. Jesus went out to the lake with his disciples. A large crowd followed him. They came all over, from all over, Galilee, uh, Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, uh, 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 and east of the Jordan River, and even uh, from far, uh, uh, from far as far north as Tyre and Sidon. 
the news about his miracle spread far and wide and vast numbers of people came to see him. Again, so again, in Mark, we're seeing what? Work, 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 action, action. Jesus instructed his disciples to have a boat ready so the, uh, so the crowd would not crush him. As he, watch this, verse 10, he healed many people that day. So all the sick people eagerly pushed forward to touch him. All right, so now we see the work of Jesus. Now remember, I think it was Luke that said there are many writings about the life of Jesus. So many that he said there are many, many, many. But I'm going to try to give you a very thorough, when he was writing to, I forget the guy's name, it might have been Theopolis or something like that. When he was writing the let, when Luke was writing the gospel to the person he was writing it to, he said there were many, many, many writings. And I think it's at the end of John that says that Jesus did many more works that's in, that's, that than what's even included in this book. And so when we're reading, imagine what we read through all the gospels and multiply that by like a hundred. That's how much Jesus was doing. Like everything that's captured in the book is not everything Jesus did. Okay. And I'm comfortable with that because it doesn't make any of this stuff less true. It just means there's so much more he did that we don't even know about. That we don't even have access to. And it might have been written down in, in other ancient writings that just wasn't included in, in, in the books that are called the Bible. And Because and, remember, the Bible was never written as a book from start to finish by one or many authors as a continuous book. It's, it's, it's writings, ancient writings that were gathered together and say, OK, well, this is what we can verify. This is what kind of this is what checks out. Um, this is what's putting together what we're going to put together, you know, as the canon is what they called it. But as the Holy Scriptures um, uh, for, you know, the Christian faith. And there are many writings out there that are definitely verifiable, but just weren't included. Doesn't make anything that's in the Bible less correct. And I'm saying that because sometimes you get people who, like we saw with the Pharisees, who will try to question your faith. Would you hear about this book or that book? Well, they may be true, but does, does it make Mark less true? Does it make Leviticus less true? Does it make you know, uh, uh, acts less true just because those books weren't included in this? No, of course it doesn't. The same way it not being in this collection doesn't make some of those less true. But it wasn't haphazardly put together. And maybe during the summer we'll go through uh, a study how the Bible was put together because it was there was methodology to it and there was study, um, uh, despite what some people may, may may think that, you know, well, no, it was a thing to keep people enslaved. And no, that's not, no. And 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 um and and all ancient writings have gone through translations, even the ones that they say, you know, well, what about these and these books here and these lost books? It's like, well, they've all been translated over the years. And so if you want to say the Bible's lost something in translation, you got to say those same ones that you want to compare it to. They've been lost in translation too. So um anyway, where was I? I'm sorry guys to get off on that. Uh, eagerly pushing to touch him. Okay, so Jesus instructed the disciples to have the boat ready so the crowd would not crush him. Um, he says he had healed many people that day, so all the sick people eagerly pushed uh, forward to touch him. Right, that's right, because we were talking about how everything Jesus did isn't even in these books. Like he did so much. It says, and so it says, and whenever those possessed by evil spirits caught sight of him, watch this, the spirits would throw them to the ground in front of him, shrieking. You are the son of God. But Jesus sternly commanded the spirits not to reveal who he was. So this is saying that anytime someone who had an evil spirit caught sight of Jesus, they would fall to the ground. Okay, so we see all the people who were sick, he healed many people that day. And it said, and any evil spirit that saw him fell to the ground. Okay, this is the work that he did. Verse 13, afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain uh, called, uh, and called out to the ones he wanted to go with him, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him 
and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the 12 he chose, Simon, who he named Peter, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and Jesus nicknamed them the sons of thunder, Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, uh, Thomas, James, uh, Thaddeus, Simon, and Judas Iscariot, who was the Judas that ended up uh, betraying him. All right, verse 20. One time, Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. So here's Jesus going somewhere. The crowds are, are, are gathering. I see you, Tracy. Watch this. It says, soon he and the disciples couldn't even find time to eat. When his family heard he, uh, what was happening, they tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. This is they're talking about Jesus. But the teachers of religious law who had arrived from Jerusalem said, he's possessed by Satan, the prince of demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. All right. What's so funny is if the if the Pharisees hated him so much, why are they always showing up where he's at? Like, why are y'all even coming there then? Ain't it funny, Tracy, Tanya, ain't it funny how people always got something to say about you, always find themselves around you? If I'm that bad, then why are you even here? Why are you around me? Why are you why are you in my space? Like you right? Why like if you if if I'm that bad, if I'm that bad and I'm that and you always got something to say, he's doing this, he's doing this, then why are you here with me? <laughs> Tyrell, why why in the world do you even bother yourself to travel where I because it, it isn't like the Pharisees are doing this and then Jesus comes. No, 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 no. Jesus is doing his thing and then they're around. If you hate me that much, why are you even around me? All right. Here we go. I see you, Trace. I got you, Natalie. So then and then they got the nerve to say he's possessed by demons. That's where he gets his power to cast out demons. So then watch this. So then, so then, so then, so then, so then Jesus calls them over and responds to them with an illustration. All right, so Jesus is going to address them. How can Satan cast out Satan? A kingdom divided by a civil war will collapse. He said a house divided itself can't stand, right? Similarly, a family splintered by by feuding will fall apart. And if Satan is divided and fights against himself, how can he stand? He would never survive. Let me illustrate this further. Who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man and plunder his goods? Only someone even stronger, someone who can tie him up and plunder his house. I tell you the truth. All sin is blasphemy and can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. Somebody highlight that because we're going to teach. I'm going to teach specifically on that at some point in the future. Uh, Verse 30. He told them this because they were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. Verse 31. And then we'll wrap up here uh, through the end of the chapter. Then Jesus, Jesus' mother and brother came to see him. They stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. Then Jesus says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked around. The, then he looked at those around him and said, look at these. Uh, look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. All right. Let's close in prayer.